Salam and welcome to our podcast, Muslims on Fire. Stories from ordinary Muslims doing extraordinary things. With your host, Maruf. Dear listener, Based on many requests from our listeners, we are launching a Muslims on Fire Academy. It's for those who want to do more than just listening. It's for those who not only want to be inspired, but to be one of the Muslims on Fire as well. It's for those who want to discover their purpose in life, follow their dreams, and live in prosperity. If this is you, join us for a journey of a lifetime. The introduction course is free. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Hey, assalamu alaikum. This is your host, Maruf. Welcome to Muslims on Fire. Today, I have a good friend from LA. Some of you might already know him. He's a Muslim comedian. He's, uh, he's a lot of things. Sometimes he's also, I also see him as my big brother. Sometimes I ask him questions. But today, we're going we're gonna to ask him a couple of questions to get to know him, to walk in his shoes. And welcome to Baba Ali. Welcome, brother. How are you? Uh, Salam alaikum. How are you I'm doing? doing good, bro. It's, uh, it's been some time. I'm excited to be part of the podcast. Yeah, today. yeah. You know, it's one of those things when you come, things light up, things become a bit more funny, you know. Allah bless you in that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, but tell me, tell Thank me, this. You. what was your first exact words when I told you the name? Can you tell for this podcast? It will be your, like, teaser. Tell me in, your, in that way. Yeah, so when, he, <laughs> when Maruf first told me about, hey, the podcast is called Muslims on Fire, <laughs> I told him, man, oh, you're gonna get all your critics are gonna be telling you the reason why you guys are on fire is because this thing is haram um, and all this no, other no, stuff. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but you have to do this in the haram police voice, so we're gonna put this as, as, as a trailer for the, for the episode. Go ahead. <laughs> it's haram, haram, brother, haram. Yeah, the haram police will be all over exactly. you, um, and they'll say, look, this is why this podcast <laughs> is wrong because. As you can tell, everyone's on fire, and the reason they're on fire is because they're all in Jahannam, and they're going to. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm like, wow, because you know, Muslims they find ways to twist and wow. turn things, and this is like you already set yourself that's up. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but 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 you have to give it to you. That's something once you hear, you cannot forget, right? That's the thing. No, yeah, it's good. It's a good. It's a good. I mean, things people yeah. misunderstand. They don't understand what on fire means. Like, hey, that's fire. That's true. It's actually a term for young people. It says, I mean, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. But tw- 20 years ago, if you said something was cool, they think something exactly. was frozen. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so just, just for the record, for those who are listening, we are recording sometime in the 2019 with the world on fire. It yeah. has some still, you know, positive meaning. You know, let's, let's, uh, let's make sure of that. Yeah. yeah right? Yes. So, uh, yeah, just like cool was 20 exactly. years ago, fire is today. Yeah, is on fire thing. means something passionate just... about and etc. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it may have to do with climate change, maybe because the world's getting exactly, hotter. Exactly, exactly. Uh... <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. It's, it's been always nice talking to you. So, um, Ali, what we're going to do today is, I guess, um, you know, we're going we're gonna, to, like, decode Baba Ali a little bit. So, we're going to go back to your okay. childhood and Middle Ages, have your friend life and up till right now. It may take some time, but we're just going to skip... The boring parts, I guess, right? We're just gonna go to the main part. So, why don't you tell us just 
go back, take us to your childhood and tell us what is your, what kind of things you remember, what kind of family Babalis is brought up, you know, tell us more about it. Let's get to know you. Yeah. So I, I, I'm a family. My parents came from mm -hmm. Iran. We were, came to America on vacation. Okay. And when we came on vacation, the vacation uh, became a permanent <laughs> vacation because the revolution broke out. <laughs> I ended up staying okay. here. Uh, and I've been here since. I've never been back to my home country since. Okay. Uh, so I grew up here and didn't, English was not my first language. Oh. Uh, I didn't even start speaking until I was four years old. I, was, I remember sitting in school and then just being completely confused what was going on. Uh, and, uh, and once I started talking, I didn't stop talking. I as you can I tell, can um, I, I think I just saved I it all imagine. up. So I, I mean, this is the thing. <laughs> Ali, tell me this. Um, so how was your family? Like, so you came to you came to U.S. at the age of four for a permanent location without knowing it. I understand that. But I mean, um, so school, yeah. we will, I think, so how was school for you, I guess? How was school in the, the beginning? Like, would you... But, I mean, I think that, I think what I'm trying to ask is that was some kind of bullying involved? You were some different from other schools, some other kids in the school? No, I, I'm, I was always the, the kid that was the, like the foreign okay. kid, basically. You know, I went to a, a predominantly more of a white area, a white American okay. area. And so I was like, they can't pronounce my name, even though my name was simple, simple. Ali, just three letters. Two, two, sim two syllables, okay. Ali. But they'll call me Alex, Al. Okay. Some kids will call me oil. Okay. Um, <laughs> I see. Um, this is like all these different things. Growing up, it just always felt like a different kid. My parents don't look like the typical kids, like what kids see on television, see. right? So it always always felt different. And because of that, it was uh, it was kind of challenging at times. But I grew up like a typical American. Um, so as you can tell by by my voice, it doesn't sound like a Persian not accent. Not yet. Not yet. We still. So my, yeah. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Childhood Questions are sponsored by Ali Huda. Ali Huda is a video on-demand streaming platform for Muslim children where they can watch cartoons and shows while learning about Islam the fun way. If you are a Muslim parent, this will be one of your best investments. Visit www.alihuda.com for a seven-day free trial. Now back to the show. The challenge that I had was growing up is like, because I was always like the outcast, it, it, I had to work hard to get to the point. See, my, my parents are, uh, when I was like eight years old, my dad put me in his office huh. and told me to start working <laughs> okay. at eight okay. years old. My salary was 50 cents a day and I would work and I would learn customer uh -huh. service. I would learn business. I would learn all kinds of things wow. that an eight-year-old doesn't have no business learning. Wow. But that's where I started wow. from. My dad, by the time I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I could do a lot of stuff at the office by myself, at, at the wow. store, by myself. People used to walk up to me and laugh because I walk, hey, sir, how are you doing today? Hey, is there anything I can help you with? Say, so this is little Ali. This is little Ali. Little wow. Ali, businessman. By the time I was 18, I was running. I had, I had employees almost twice my age. Wow. And I was running the whole thing by myself. Wow, wow, wow. That's so, interesting. Yeah. I mean, so you kind of like, you were kind of thrown into business world, right? Without your even will, like 50 cents a day. Isn't it? Yep. And then by the time I got to like, I think I got to an age where I was watching television and their kids were getting allowances. Uh -huh. So I went one day to my dad to ask him for an, a weekly allowance. And his, my weekly allowance was $2. And I told him, I looked at the $2 he put in my hand. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? I can't buy anything with this. And he's like, I don't think so. I don't think you can buy anything either. Make something I out see. of it. 
I said, go make more money out of this $2. Yeah. So I put my, he put pretty much put it in my brain to, you have to work hard. Things are not just going to be given to you. You may get a little bit of money, but learn how to make more money out of that money. So I took that $2. I went and bought some mm-hmm. candy and I, and sold the candy in school. What age were you? What I saw it working. In the, I think I was at the age of 10, uh, in the first grade, I think, or second okay. grade. I was doing this. So I was maybe about eight, okay. nine years old, okay. 10 years old. Okay. By the time I reached the next level, I, when I got a little older, I was buying boxes of candy. So you were a candy man. rent out. Candy man. I, I would, they would give us lockers to put our books in <laughs> between classes, and I filled it up with candy. And I was making more money during the day, during school, than kids would make it after school working for like fast food and other things. Yeah. I was running a business through school. I mean, that's a lot of demand in so, school, right? <laughs> there's a lot of demand. You were in the right in the middle of I, the market. I was a candy man. Yeah, you were the candy man. Yep, candy, I was a candy kid. Man. I guess candy kid. Yeah, guess, right. Candy kid. Wow. Yeah, yeah candy wow. kid. I mean, so you learn learn from a very young age entrepreneur stuff. Um, by the time I was like 18, 19, I started thinking of my own businesses and different things. I basically look at uh, different businesses mm-hmm. out there and see how can I mm-hmm. improve them. I see. So I my first business was a marketing okay. business. Interesting. Uh, that worked. Re- yeah, I took some. I took a concept of saying, "Hey, how do you do door-to-door delivery for marketing for pamphlets for flyers?" I look at what the competition is doing and what I can do, and how how can I do that? Wait, 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 wait! I lost you. My first business was marketing. Oh, my first business was a company called Flyers R Us. What I did is basically distribute um, uh, advertisements door-to-door. Okay, cool. And what other companies were doing, they were doing it by mail. And what the problem was when you do it by mail, you're buying these mailing lists, and those mailing lists would be out of date. Uh-huh. So about 50% or 30, about 30% of the mails that you're sending, they wouldn't get through. And then you have to buy envelopes, you have to pay for stamps, you have to do all these costs, which came out to about 40 cents, 45 cents per house that you advertise to. I was able to do it for 10 cents per house <laughs> by doing it manually. I see. And then I would, I would, advertise, I would connect, I would put a whole bunch of flyers together, staple them, so for this one price of sending it to a thousand homes, uh, I would be able to pay five customers will pay for it. And the profits just got out of control. And uh, actually I learned, I imploded actually. <laughs> I, uh, instead of saying, Oh, because I had so much business that the business went <laughs> How could it be? I couldn't keep up with okay, the man. You keep up with the bus. I, could, I couldn't keep up with the man. I couldn't get enough people to work for me, even though I paid him double wow. of what the average. So you had the scale issues. You couldn't scale it up fast enough, I guess, isn't it? I couldn't nice. scale. I, had to, I was doing it all by myself because no one would take the oh, money. Oh, really? Even the workers wouldn't take the money. So it's too much wow. work. Yeah. Wow. I, did, I didn't know how to hire like an employee team. I was 18, 19 years old. I, I didn't know how to do this stuff. I see. I see. Yeah. So I imploded. And quick, but every single failure was a, was a success in a way because I learned Absolutely. what not to do. Absolutely. Stuff you can't learn in a textbook. As, as they say, yeah. either you either you either you win, either you learn, right? So you never fail. Like. Exactly, hundred percent. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Here's yeah, the thing. So, sure, that's your entrepreneurial life. I just want to know, like, uh, what was your like family's like your your childhood relationship relationship towards the Islam? Like, I remember because the reason I'm asking is that you know you're, you're like you do your comedian, you do a lot of from Muslim audiences. Was mm-hmm. it some kind of from your childhood, or it, it happened gradually later? What what happened there? So, so my parents are didn't, didn't practice any type of okay. religion. They're extremely okay. secular. Uh, mo- like okay. most Iranians are. So um, I actually learned about Islam hmm. on my own 
being in my late teens. So I would, I actually came across Islam and when I learned about it within 24 hours, I became Muslim. So after I became Muslim, my entrepreneur skills came with me and I said, okay, how can I use these skills to help improve many of the situations we have within our Muslim? Wait, 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 wait. Uh, wait, 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 slow slow down, slow down. Yeah. So I I just want to understand like, like why on earth, like you are, you late teens, right? You said like 19 or what are you talking about? Yeah, I was about okay, 19, 19, 20 years, years old. old yeah. Like, why on earth, like 19, 20 years old, person like you who has enough money would go and take up on the religion, right? Why wouldn't you enjoy your life? I don't know. I mean, I'm, what I'm just thinking is like playing a little bit devil's advocate in the U.S. Like, you have so many freedom, you know, you can do whatever you want. Why on earth go and, you know, follow a religion, especially if your parents didn't do that? Uh, excellent question. So I had a beautiful girlfriend who happened to be okay. a model. <laughs> okay. I had a, I had a Mercedes Benz. Mm-hmm. I, I was driving the living the life. I was having a Rolex on my arm. I had, I had all the dunya in the world, but I was, I, I felt, I had so many friends, but I felt uh-huh. alone. Because the one thing I didn't have is I didn't have peace in my heart. And this is why you see so many celebrities and all these people doing drugs and all this crazy stuff. And alhamdulillah, I never went down that path. But they, they have all this stuff that you make you think that this is happiness. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't bring happiness. The only thing that really truly brings happiness is peace. Absolutely. Do you struggle with deen and dunya balance in your life? Meet Salam.app, a Muslim social network where your ego, nafs, is not in the center. It is a place to feed your soul with daily inspiration, to make new Muslim friends, and connect with Ummah. Visit www.salam.app and download free for your iPhone or Android. Right? If you have peace in your heart, then everything else that you have, it, it makes it yeah. sweet. But if you don't have peace in your heart and you have all the other stuff, then it becomes completely pointless. And I see a lot of people who chase all the stuff of the dunya, and then once they have it, and they get to their goal, all the dreams that they had, they get to it, and when they, when they have it, they're not happy, they're not satisfied, and they're like, okay, what's now what? So... I was in that situation where I had all those things. I wasn't interested, and I said, "I need." There's something else. There's another. So, how did you find? How did you come up? Come about Islam? How did you discover Islam? Like, uh, can you go? Like, can you explain? Like, yeah, I was. I was looking for all the truth. I was looking for the different things, uh, different religions out there. Um, Each time I came across one of them, I found an Mm -hmm. uh, issue. I would go to the next one, next one, until Islam was the last one left. So when I went and learned about it. I, I saw something that a lot of people don't see. It wasn't like a pamphlet or a mm-hmm. copy of the Quran or anything like that. I, 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 I was fortunate enough to be around people who actually practice their deen and they practice it correctly. And their, their practicing of it correctly inspired me to learn more about I these see. people. And, with, and that's why very quickly I accepted Islam because I saw some things you don't normally I see. These people change to behave in such a way. It's the behavior. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like, it's like, 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 like you know, you yeah, see. yeah, behavior, how do people behave? It's not about the, what you say theoretically, but how you act, you know, how you, it makes you feel, I guess. See? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember, I remember, yes. you are, you are, you're such a funny character. I remember, I want you, I want you to, to remember this as well. I remember like once you mentioned, I know, I remember you, this, you said you took one of your girlfriend to one of this Dawa, 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 right? Was it correct? Okay, so the, the yeah, camp that I went to to it. learn about Islam, I took my, I took my girlfriend mm-hmm. with me. My girlfriend, forget hijab or no hijab, she had purple <laughs> hair. 
So she had purple hair. <laughs> she had dyed her hair purple. So we're going to an Islamic camp, and they don't, you know, somebody's issue by sure. hijab. Should I wear hijab or not? They don't expect anyone with purple hair at the masjid. And this is back in late, long time ago. So uh, what happened was I didn't know the girlfriend boyfriend isn't of allowed not, in Islam. Didn't. So I had my arm around her outside the lecture <laughs> hall where the the the, where the guy the, the guy is giving a, a a talk about Deen Islam. I have my arm around this girl, and I remember the sister with hijab and jilbab, older sister, walking up to us and saying, "Excuse me, you two can't sit together like okay. that." I remember my arm being around her. I said, "No, no, don't worry. It's okay, she's my <laughs> girlfriend." That was what I told her. The lady looks at me like I'm crazy. I didn't really understand. Why now would you really look at me so like this? Then, I was just like confused. A, yeah, so no, you guys are worried this is some other girl. No, no, she's my girlfriend. Don't worry about it. We're good. She's <laughs> like, who are these yeah, people? So that's how lost it was. But subhanAllah, it was literally the next day that I told my girlfriend that it's over. The girl that I love, that I say it's over. Because I found something sweeter than hers. The thing I've been looking for my whole life. You know, that's one thing about this dean is like, you have to have sincerity. Sincerity as far as like, if you're ever given the truth, would you... Let Ali, go I lost of you. all the stuff, your traditions. You tell, start yeah. I think I lost you. You say one thing about this dean, then start, please. So one thing about this dean that we have to know, remember, is that once you find the truth, is sincerity is what makes you decide to take on the truth or not. If you're truly sincere, and you've been doing something, for example, your whole life, and then you realize that what you've been doing is Islamically wrong, if you're sincere, you will give up the thing you've been doing Islamically wrong and do the, do the right way. If you're just following your tradition, or you're just doing it because your parents have done it and stuff like that, then we're no different than the pre-Arabs that were just worshipping idols and rocks because they just did it mm -hmm. because their parents did it. Right? So you have to be sincere to the truth. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unveils the truth to you, you take it. And that itself, by the way, is a huge test. I make it sound it's like not. it's easy, but it's, it's not. not. A lot of times we have this culture... We have all these things that we're used to doing. This is the way we've always done business. This is the way we've always done whatever it is. And now we have to not do it anymore. Or we have to do it the right way. And that's such a hard thing to do. But if you're sincere, you'll do it. And this is why you see stories like, like myself and my friend who became Muslim literally overnight. And then right there is like the first test is you have mm -hmm. a girlfriend. You can't have a girlfriend no. anymore. You know what I mean? I, that, I had to have that conversation the next morning wow. with her. You know, this is very difficult to do. It's easier said than that. It's easy to say, okay, I'm Muslim now, but are you willing to give up your haram job that you work at the alcohol company? That's a hard test. If it's making you a lot Absolutely. of money, that's a hard test. But as soon as you become Muslim, the tests are yeah. coming. Immediately, the tests yeah. are coming. Yeah, I mean... But then again, Jen no. is not free. <laughs> no. So tell me, tell me um, the one incident I remember you also mentioned. I just want to also, uh, for the listeners, you took up on the challenge on the Quran, didn't you? Yeah, you know, you write, yeah. write a verse like it. So you write a verse. I was yeah. a poet, so I wrote two books of poetry okay. before, and I tried to write a verse like it. I couldn't do it. I realized this is not just a normal okay. book. You know, it's just, if you just look at the book, there's just, there's so many levels of miracles. Okay, there's the scientific mm -hmm. miracle, because I was in a, in a biology background studying to medicine to go become a doctor. So there's a scientific side of it, and you say, okay, just from a science perspective, sci if I'm a scientist, I'm not looking at anything else mm -hmm. except for the science aspects of it, it is impossible to say there's some guy in the desert, or even if he mm -hmm. was in a desert, how he can come up with all these things that yeah. all became true. Okay, it's just no one, two, three coincidence, yeah, but there's a certain level yeah. that can't be coincidence anymore. All right, that's that, that's that. Then you have the linguistic side of things, right? There's a whole thing, people can write books and books about the linguistic side of things, right? Then you have all the other miracles that's just, there's no other book like it. Which book in the world, even the Bible, has been memorized by like mm -hmm. a million people? 
can the Bible be memorized? I don't know anyone except from someone that has like a photographic mm-hmm. memory that memorizes mm-hmm. the Bible. It's not the book itself. It's the guy who has a yes. photographic memory. I mean, these people who memorize the Quran, it's not because they're, they're great memorizers, right? A kid is 11 years old, 10 years old is not a great mm-hmm. memorizer. Is he memorizing all these other books? No, it's only the yeah. Quran he memorizes. So something special about this book, not the fact that this person has a great memory. The fact that millions of people who their first language no, is not even Arabic. True. I mean, if they're Arabic people, it's like you and I memorizing a book <laughs> in Chinese, word by word. And the book is like a big book. Absolutely. I mean, that will say like, okay, that's unusual. And what if I told you like a million people memorize a book in Chinese and these people don't even speak Chinese? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? It doesn't make sense. Doesn't... <laughs> like, okay, it doesn't make sense. So it's like, that's just one, that's just another layer of it. Then you have the other side of the miracles. I mean, there's so many different levels of it. It's like, it is impossible, impossible to be written by a human being. But it wasn't that necessarily that just made me become Muslim. It was the actions sure. of the people who followed this book to get me interested to see what this book is about. Sure. You know, it's trying to intellectually prove to you this thing is book. But, you know, all that stuff is like Muslims, when we come to our deen, it's easy to practice it when it comes mm-hmm. to the masjid, when you're praying, when you're fasting. Those mm-hmm. are easy. You want to see how a Muslim really is? Go do business That's exactly what Umar Razzallahu said, See right? if he cheats you. One of the hadiths I remember. If you want to yeah. see people, don't look at them at the masjid because, of course, they are doing your best. Go and see in the business, right? That's nice. Yep. Go, go see how he interacts with business. Is he is he lowballing his mm. employees? Does he pay them on time? Does the people who deal with him do they feel like okay this guy was a trustworthy person? No, he cheated mm. me. He never paid me. Psst. If you are an entrepreneur with a product or service for the Muslim market, let's get in touch. We are Halal.ad, a marketing agency and ad network for the ever-growing Muslim market. We can help you reach millions of Muslims to grow your business. Visit www.halal.ad for a 30-minute free consultation. Now back to the show. I mean, how many times have you heard this statement, by the way, which is a shame to hear, but how many times have you heard this? I don't do business with Muslims. You're not the first. <laughs> I don't want to do. I don't want to do business with Muslims. How many times you've heard that? And you know who says M- this? Muslims, most? yeah. Muslims, yeah. and you're not. You're not the first what? person who's telling me exactly the same today. Yeah. Okay, I know, bro. It's it's a fact that, as you said, it's not the first person. The number of people that do this, it tells you that there's something deficient mm-hmm. in our deen, of the way we practice yeah, yeah, our yeah, deen. Yeah. I mean, not exactly, Islam exactly. itself, but something deficient, like. If I'm praying and pray five times a day and I do all this other stuff, but I'm doing all this other stuff in my business that's really bad, then something's yeah. missing in my salah. It's not like I'm drinking this liquid, but I'm always mm. thirsty. Well, is that liquid water? No, mm. it's soda. If you drink soda breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you don't drink any water, and your body is having some issues mm-hmm. of malnutrition, that's because there's something deficient that your body needs, like vitamins, minerals that it needs, that's not getting from soda, that it needs mm-hmm. in water. So when we're doing this prayer or the fasting, and we fast all Ramadan, we stay up all night in Tarawi, we do all this stuff, and then our actions are exactly the same. Then that means something is deficient in our salah, in our ibadah, in the way we practice our, uh, all the worshipping things that we do between us and Allah. There's something missing. Well, I mean, I'm, 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 and if, until we okay. realize that. I'm going to ask the same question yeah. like the other, ask the other guy. Um, tell me this. I agree with you. I agree that and that's, that's unfortunate. It happens. But what do you think that is? Why do you think it's happening? Because we learn about Islam the same way the Christians learn about and the Jewish people learn about their religion. We treat it like something completely secular. We treat it like we're in the masjid, we're going to act something Uh religious. 
But when it comes to day-to-day life, it just goes out the window. You know, and that's the challenge. And by the way, I'm far, I'm I'm not, I'm the last person to criticize Muslims in general <laughs> because I myself have a thousand yeah, yeah, issues yeah. myself. But I need to improve everything, including my business. I have to improve myself. But I'm just saying, like, I kind of I'm con- yeah. at least conscious of it. The problem is that Muslims are not even conscious of it. They just don't even look this way to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I should look at my business side of being mm-hmm. Muslim too. You know, the same way I'm looking at it is like making sure there's no gaps between the person standing next to me, gaps are for shaitan, et cetera, et cetera. Let me look at the way maybe I, I'm dealing with this guy. Maybe initially I told him, look, this is the price and maybe I'm doing this. Maybe, you know what? I should contact him again and do the fair thing. Do the thing that mm-hmm. I know it's right. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Just do it right. Make sure, okay, look, I don't agree with what he did. I don't, he didn't give enough. He promised something and he didn't deliver, but I think I should pay him because my contract said that I have to pay him, blah, blah, whatever mm-hmm. the situation is. I, I mean, I, but for whatever reason, we, uh, it's like Islam goes out the picture. It completely goes out the picture that's when the it comes reality. to stuff. That is a sad reality. I mean, look, I mean, so I think one of the things you can, you can get away with is the guess that you're a comedian, right? So, so that's, the, that's the beautiful thing. Yeah, it doesn't sound yeah. like it though. But, <laughs> it's like he's too serious. To no, yeah, I, I know, I know. I mean, but, but, but no, I, I understand. <laughs> I, I'm taking the question. So, so let me ask you about this. Like how earth, one day you're just a teenager, you're using Islam, and another day, you yeah. took these issues, you know, you know, like the core issues, which are real. I mean, if you're not making this up, it's real in the society. And you're taking up those, you're being YouTube, one of the YouTube influencers, I mean, YouTube stars. Can what happened there? What happened was, you know, when I was trying to, I didn't become a comedian on purpose. So mm-hmm. what happened was I I'm actually have a person, I'm, I'm one of the people that has stage fright, which means when I go on stage, <laughs> I get too nervous to even speak. I'm actually scared to speak in front of people. So how did a person who has stage fright become a comedian? Well, I, after I made some YouTube videos that became popular, those YouTube mm-hmm. videos about is all the funny stuff about being Muslim in America. You, mm-hmm. For those who are interested, you can just type in the word Baba Ali on YouTube. You'll see some children's videos, but you'll see also see some videos about like me blogging about funny stuff about being Muslim yeah, in America. Yeah, police and all the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So at, when those videos became popular, I got invited to go speak somewhere. And I kept saying no to the person because I kept explaining, like, this, I, I have stage fright. I can't do this in front of people. Even my <laughs> wife and kids, I wait for them to fall asleep before I do this. I don't even do it in front of them. Um, but she, the lady said, please come, please come. I, finally, I said yes. I went there. I was so nervous. My hand was shaking. And all the notes I wrote in, written on cards to read my speech was just, I, I couldn't read it. My, I remember my hands shaking so much, I actually threw my cards. And wow. people saw me throw my cards out of frustration and they laughed and they didn't understand what was going on so i kept talking they kept laughing they kept talking they kept laughing and no matter what i said they kept laughing and as soon as the whole thing was done i thought it was a complete disaster i walk off the stage and a brother walks up to me and says hey can you do that same comedy skit at our event next i'm like that wasn't comedy they're like hey he's still doing it i'm like what i see i see so since then i've been about nearly 400 shows around the world Wow, I've been doing. I don't have an agent, and I've been performing left and right. Alhamdulillah, even this last past, two days ago, I performed in in Florida. So it was, it's just it's funny experience. Uh, are you? Are you? But uh, are you uploading? Uh, so, so some of the I remember because I remember you. You did quite extensively the YouTube videos. Are you doing any new videos these days? Or no? I, I, what's going? I, on? Now it's just a lot of times they invite me to go speak live I at, at events I so that keeps me busy so but God, the, but God, the, God. but, the, but my my topics have changed so what i mean I is that I, sometimes i go invite to be speak comedy sometimes they ask me to give mm-hmm. a speech 
sometimes they ask me okay. to come give like a premarital course. Like they say a lot of Muslims oh, okay. are getting divorced and we know you have okay. this whole pre-marriage program. So can you come and do yes. something live for us to help us with the communities because a lot of people are getting divorced, young people. And we don't have chutzpahs uh -huh. about like premarital courses and we don't have topics about this. And we need to try to battle this and just ignoring it is not making it go away. So what if we get someone young and knows how to talk to young people and to talk about those uh -huh. issues that we don't talk about within our community so we can like help prevent a lot of these silly divorces that are occurring? I see. You know, a I lot see. of people are marrying people that they have no business to be married to. You know, they marry people that they're attracted to, but they can't tolerate. So the question oh, comes see. and says, how do I learn who I can tolerate, who I, who I can't tolerate? And those are the kind of things we, I kind oh, of I discover. Yeah, speaking of marriage, you also have um, the, the Half our Deen. Matrimony on your website. Yeah. Exactly. Can you, can you like, give us a brief intro of what it yeah. is? Yeah, and... so Half our Deen is a matrimonial uh, site. We started back in 2010. Uh, alhamdulillah, over okay. 2,000 marriages, 2,000 people have found other half uh, from Hafardin. And just in a nutshell, the way it's different than typical swiping apps um, is like if you go <laughs> to a typical swiping app, it's basically your picture, yeah. your name, and your age. And it looks like something that a guys will make, right? Because that's what we care about, your name, your age, and your, yeah. and your picture, right? But most women need a deeper level of you before they actually say yes. And sure. they did a recent study that 61.9%, which is basically 62% of men, will always swipe right. And for those who are not familiar, on these apps, when you swipe right, that means you want, you're interested in them. And you swipe left, you means no. And only about yeah. 4%, only 4%, which means 96% of sisters do not swipe right. Which tells you that, that sisters, not that because the men are unattractive, is because they need more about a guy before they commit to, like, let me start talking to you more about marriage. They need more than just a picture. So what Half Our Dean does is not only does it give you your picture, your information, this and that, it actually breaks down their personality, what they're attracted to, what they can tolerate in a marriage. Um, we have some things that other people don't have, including just things we just recently added. For example, every single person who joins Half Our Dean, you have one-on-one -on -one free support. So someone, a, a human being, will be assigned to you to be like your wingman, to be your coach. And to help you throughout the whole process, and it's completely complimentary. So it's Amazing. and we don't raise our price because of this. We just we just made it so we can make it a little bit easier, so you can help you find your other half. You're not just imagine joining a gym, and like okay, you're join the gym, and you they throw you into the gym, and then you see all these machines, you don't know what to do. But imagine mm. join the same gym, and they have to say this is your personal trainer. They're com it's completely free. Every single day you come in, they will be here with you, and they're here to answer your questions, here to train you. He'll tell you what to do each day to help you get to the top. And that's what we're, to help you reach your goal. And that's what, I that's see. what happened. It's different, inshallah. So that's one latest thing we've added. I think, I mean, you're, you're also a serial entrepreneur. You have this side. You also launch a couple of uh, board games, as I remember. You're also a comedian yeah. to boot. So walk me through this. Like, like what makes you like go ahead and create and create and create and new things again? W what is your secret behind it? Why would you end up doing things? Well, I, one of the things is uh, to give credit, you know, first of all, success, all the success I've had is only because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I, yes. I take no credit for that myself. The only thing I have been able to put is Allah's enabled me to put an effort. Mm -hmm. right. The second thing is I've been able, Allah's, one of the things I always keep making dua for is Allah to surround me around the good people uh, that will bring me towards, that will bring me success in this life and the hereafter and take me away from people that are not good for me, right? Because mm -hmm. I don't know who's good. Sometimes a person who will be your best friend 
is a person who's working in the background to hurt you. Mm. So I, I pray to Allah to take those people away, the people I don't see, that are right under my nose mm. that I don't see, to make, the, to make our relationship distant and distant until we barely talk to each other. So with that said, I try to surround myself with good people. And I, with every project I do, I try to surround myself with different people and try to do those projects with those people. And when I see other people doing projects, I give them my advice without asking for anything in return. Mm-hmm. with the hopes that I would help them become more successful. And only Allah knows my intention. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not, uh, I'm trying to help people, right? It's surprising, subhanAllah, you, this is one thing I don't see within our ummah. I think everyone's out there for themselves. Mm-hmm. They are trying to, even though, step on each other just to move up. Not realizing, hey, we can work together. And mm-hmm. giving someone advice on their business doesn't hurt you at all. No. But people are selfish in that aspect of it. And they just are all keeping themselves. And if everyone does this themselves, our community doesn't grow. No. So, and then if, if you really, really, and this comes back to the sincerity we were discussing earlier, if you really, really believe that success is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you're helping someone for the sake of Allah, then don't be surprised when suddenly your business becomes much more successful than it was the day before. Mm-hmm. And things come out of the blue that weren't there before. But you really have to be sincere in that aspect. And I think it's not a coincidence that all my, so many of my businesses became successful. Um, I think at the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows my intention and knows what I try to do for people. Sure. And, uh, even if I don't benefit from it, I, try, I still try to help people. You know? And it's funny, I don't benefit from what I understand, but in the long run, I do benefit from it because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala either rewards sure. me Absolutely. in this life or in the hereafter. Absolutely. So. I mean, here's the thing. You, you, just, you just recently just keep doing success. Let me ask you this. What, is, what does success mean to you? What is success? Success is a, is a very good question. You know, success for a lot of people, you know, we have to look at what Islam defines as it. You mm-hmm. know, if someone... Anger. These words, by by the way, many words were, were redefined by Islam. Like to someone that was strong, for example, mm-hmm. we know as strong as something is physical strength. But yes. two, Prophet Sallallahu walked by two people that were wrestling and said, "The stronger among you two is a person who can control his anger." Yes, hadith. That's a true. A hadith, that's a true yeah. Yes, exactly. This hadith regarding that. So success. All these different things because Islam has defined it. Right, saying that someone who is successful, you know, it's real success is not in this dunya. The real success is the person who reaches. The hereafter and reaches into Jannah. Mm. But as far as this dunya, if I had to define my success in this dunya, I would try to say as someone that I, I have no conflict with people. I have enough that I don't have to worry about how I'm going to pay rent and how I'm going to pay funds. And I, I also have the ability to help others as well. I see. That's success. I see. If I have all the wealth, but I don't have companions, I don't have friends, and all my friends are all suffering and they're all like miserable, how can I feel good at night if I'm watching all my brothers like miserable and their business is just failing and i just have all this what, what's the point you know it's like it's like a person has all the money in the world and they don't have anyone to share it with mm. that's interesting that's, happiness. that's interesting so you're defining you know, success including including others as well in a way isn't it here think about it for all the listeners who are listening ask yourself the last time there was a gift exchange given where did you feel better when you received the gift or when you gave it and you saw their Absolutely. their happiness from it Absolutely. Right? So yeah, you get happy when you get certain things that you always want, but when you see somebody else's happiness with something they really want, it's ten times more happier. Absolutely. I think we forget about this. This is just a common human thing. It's not a Muslim non-Muslim yeah. thing. It's a common human thing that we Muslims, unfortunately, have kind of been disconnected to. Now imagine on a business level, you help someone and their business succeeds and becomes successful. That's even bigger. It's a bigger gift for them because now you're helping their lifestyle and they're and they're upgrading to whatever situation they're from. 
I, I think we forget about this. I mean, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by the way, watches everything, everything. Mm -hmm. So don't ever think that if you're helping someone, that will be go not noted. Everything's being written down. Everything being And recorded. everything comes with a reward or with a punishment. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. look, look, you have launched a couple of businesses, alhamdulillah, some of them successful as well. And we just discussed success as well. Again, I just want to know, like, you are, as I said, you're one of those people, very abid, you're, mashallah, you're very positive. I want to understand the point. Is there a point that Babali sits down and says, what on earth is going, you know, something is not working out. I just want to understand, do you ever, do you ever get like frustrated, depressed in a way? If so, like what happens and how do you get back on feet and just, do you, do you know what I'm trying to say? I, yeah, I, I think so. Um, so I'll tell you, anytime I miss Fajr, mm. I, it's a reflection upon myself and say I'm doing something wrong. I see. <laughs> Believe it or not, if I miss Fajr and I overslept, I realized, okay, something is weak within my iman that I'm missing. And honestly, subhanAllah, as my witness, I keep doing this, conf con whenever this happens, it's one of the first things that comes to my head. What did I mess up? Hmm. What did I do yesterday or the day before or that I did without the right intention? Where am I kind of like slipping on my deen? Because if I am, then I get too tired to wake up for Fajr. But the times I'm Fajr consistently, then I'm re reminded, okay, Ali, you're at least on the right track. Because if it, even if I slept very, very late and I woke up two, three hours later and I'm still easy to wake up, uh, then something's going right. But if I'm missing Fajr and I got well rested, there's something going wrong that I'm messing up. So when it comes to that's on the, the, the Dean side, on the business side, if I f find something that's faulty, I have to go and take a look and see what's, what's, what, what am I missing? What am I doing wrong? Mm. And, and sometimes, bro, I look at it and say, look, if Allah is testing me or something's failing, I can't, I have to say Alhamdulillah. If it succeeds, I say Alhamdulillah. Some things all you can do is put the effort and no matter how much you think this is good for the Ummah is helping, you realize that at the very end, the success of everything is in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hands. And if some things are becoming failures, it, maybe it's not good for you. It goes back to the dua I was saying a minute ago that you're asking Allah to bring projects and people close to you that are good for you and take them away. Mm -hmm. But with something's being taken away, even though you love it, Maybe it's because it's good for you and you don't realize it. See. It's just like, kind of like when you're looking to get married with somebody and it looks like the perfect person and then it doesn't work out. They say, oh no, Allah doesn't love me. No, you don't understand. This person could give you misery in the future, but you don't know that. But only Allah knows your future. Yeah. Right? What if the business that you're part of on the day of judgment it comes back to haunt you? For whatever situation. Maybe yeah. a bad customer service. Things that were completely out of your hands and those people all have debts with you and on the day of judgment say, oh, this was a curse upon me. Not a benefit. I thought I was helping the Ummah, then I was hurting the Ummah. I see. And Allah took it away from you. You, know, you don't see it. If you really, really put your trust in Allah, you say, okay, if it's good for me, make it successful. If it's bad for me, take it away. Yeah. And that's with friends, that's with business, that's with everything. Right. It's very insightful. Sometimes relatives. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. <laughs> Especially relatives, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, okay. So, so yeah. share some, like, all this business, what you learned, things you did. I want to ask like two more questions. One of them is like, tell us some insights, like aha moments. You were doing things in a way that it wasn't working out and you kind of did, it worked. You said, wow, that was something interesting I learned in the business. It could be in the business, it could be in life. It doesn't really matter actually. Go ahead. Yeah, so we were interested in business or life. Which one do you want to know? Well, dean or business? Dean, I want to know Dean. Go ahead. Okay, so regarding the Dean aspect of it, like, I, I may be 
doing certain actions of certain things all for a long period of time. And then I marry my wife and my wife is, I know a lot of things about my wife, by the way. Uh, I didn't know, not because I didn't know her. It's just never asked her, Hmm. you know, I didn't know my wife was Hafiz of Quran. I just found a coincidence. I just thought it was a coincidence that every time we talked about certain things, she had those ayahs already (laughs) memorized. (laughs) Whatever we had were coming up against you as, 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 oh, as a... I said, why is it so random that you have the specific ayahs and yeah. hadith memorized that we were just discussing? But uh, how do you know we're going to discuss about this? I, I didn't know she was Hafiz until one day my daughter wow. tells me. So this is like years have passed. My daughter comes back and said, Mama, did you know Mama's Hafiz? Wow. I said, no. <laughs> and I said, I asked her, are you Hafiz? She said, yes. I said, how come you never told me? She said, you wow. never asked. <laughs> That's amazing. So being around her, Subhanallah, Hafiz is one thing, but her character, mashallah, has really reflected upon me. You know, a lot of the stuff, I, uh, the aha moments of saying, Subhanallah, a wife or a companion in your life can change your behavior, can change, help you with your deen, bring you closer to your deen. And a bad companion or a bad spouse or a bad friend can take you away from your deen mm-hmm. as well. And... Uh, the, the greatest gift after I got my religion, Allah showed me Islam, is my wife. See. You know, she's my companion from day one. Everyone doesn't realize that even behind every successful man, there is a woman that support is a support system. Yeah. And without her, she can't, he can he never be yeah. who he is. I never talk about her, uh, but she's one of the reasons why Baba Ali is Baba right, Ali. I mean, there's a, by the way, every project that I do, there's always somebody there that doesn't really have the limelight. You know, my partner for Half Ardeen, he's just not really an uh, extrovert that tell, puts his name and faces everywhere. But he's just as much part of Half Ardeen mm-hmm. than I am. And just every different people I work with, they are all part of it. Just unfortunately, I'm say unfortunately, but Baba Ali is usually the, the person that has a spotlight mm-hmm. on him. That could be good and bad. So, you know, I get the criticism from the Haram police. <laughs> And then the people who actually benefit from my stuff, they, they like it. So, but I'm not, I wasn't, I didn't choose to be part of the limelight. I, it yeah, just happened. Yeah, it does happen. <laughs> so yeah, even my YouTube videos, my goal, I was writing the, I was cold. My goal was to write the content and find someone to do, be in front mm-hmm. of the camera. It was never my intention to be in front of the camera. It was when everybody yeah, no quit. One was crazy that was going to work on this right? film project. <laughs> yeah. And I was allowed, everyone quit. Like I couldn't work with anybody. I was like, okay. Fine, I'll yes, do sir. it myself. Yeah, mashallah. That's a, that, that, yeah, I think so, so you have a plan. It works out well. Um, okay, sounds good. Sounds good. I mean, is there is there is there anything okay. like you think I should have asked I didn't ask that you you think that could benefit our listeners? Well, is there anything you can come on? Um, I, I no, I think your questions were very good. Hopefully, the people who are listening can benefit from what we just discussed. If I have to just mention one point yeah. one more time, is that if anything we've discussed today, I think the most important thing was the companions and your friends that you surround yeah. yourself with. If you really want to do with your dean or with your business or with your life, the people you surround yourself with are going to make you or break you. I don't care how strong your dean is. Uh, I don't care how smart your business sense is. The, you surround yourself with bad people, they will only pull you away. And there's hadith from the Prophet so I'm talking about the perfume seller and the blacksmith. And these are not talking about, okay, if you're just religious, you have knowledge. No. It's talking about mm-hmm. anyone. Anyone could be pulled the wrong way just having bad companions. And notice that Musa, one of the things he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to give him a companion. Brother Harun, to yeah, give him someone yeah, on his side. That's, yes, exactly. And the, and the Prophet had the mm-hmm. sahabas. Right? It's the people you surround yourself with. You can't 
just be have knowledge and just be good yourself. You have to surround yourself with good people because we're human beings and other human beings will impact Absolutely. us. So no matter what you're doing, business, whatever you're doing, if it's dean, business, life, surround yourself with the right people and you'd be surprised about how much they change your thinking and the way you behave and the way you act. So in a what you're saying is that if in anything we should take out from this conversation is that be mindful of your surroundings, with whom you are, with how you, how you are spending your day. Exactly. Amazing. Yes, they are a reflection Amazing. of you. Amazing. Having said that, thank you very much, uh, Ali. It's always pleasure, and not only pleasure, but just a lot of fun to have uh, this kind of talks with you. May Allah reward you. May Allah give blessings to your projects. And um, until next time, hopefully we'll invite you sometime. And again, then we can discuss and get updates. But until then, I say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Dear listener, based on many requests from our listeners, we are launching a Muslims on Fire Academy. It's for those who want to do more than just listening. It's for those who not only want to be inspired, but to be one of the Muslims on fire as well. It's for those who want to discover their purpose in life, follow their dreams, and live in prosperity. If this is you, join us for a journey of a lifetime. The introduction course is free. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. For show notes and questions for episodes, please visit www.muslimsonfire.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like our show, please rate, share with friends, and leave a review. With your help, it will enable us to reach more people and change their lives for the better. Stay tuned. Until next time, Assalamu Alaikum.